morning. So glad you guys are here today. Um, oops, that's my first one. I was told not to um. I um too much <laughs> during announcements, so um, not going to do it again. Okay. <laughs> I know. <laughs> so we're not going to do that anymore. Bill has been doing a series called Who Am I over the past several weeks. So if uh, you haven't heard all of those or if you've missed out on a couple of them, go back to Facebook and check them out. Uh, I encourage you to, to go and listen to, to them. Uh, they, <laughs> they, they have a lot of good things in them uh, that, will, that will bring you up to speed and will we'll get you connected with, with kind of what he's been talking about. He finished up that series. So I just want to point you to our Facebook page and to our, to our website. You can also go to ljvineyard.org and you can find our sermon series there as well. Um, when we update Facebook, it updates on our website. So, so you can all, all, always go there. So the name of my sermon today is called Keep Moving Forward. It is actually inspired by a Disney cartoon. I, I kind of have a, a thing for Disney cartoons. Finding Nemo, I cried. <laughs> See, I'm not alone. I got some life lessons out of a bug's life. I probably cried in that one too. You know, I could just kind of connect with the main characters and stuff. And so, Keep Moving Forward is based off, uh, it, it comes from the movie Meet the Robinsons. And so I don't know that it's a very popular Disney show, but it was, it was very, very touching for me. It is a, it's a story about an, a kid who is given up for adoption as a newborn, and so he grows up in an orphanage. And he is kind of a smart kid. He's a young inventor, and he is always trying to invent things. Well, all the while, the director of the orphanage is trying to find him a family that, you know, to, that would want to adopt him and like all the other kids in the orphanage. So, so people are coming to meet him, and he's kind of obsessed with, you know, just inventing things, and uh, he gets this idea that he's going to invent something that helps him see into the past, and that's going to give him a look at what his mother, you know, who his mother was, and then he can find her and he can have his, have his family. So he's not interested in any of the people that are coming to see him uh, to want to adopt him. He is focused on his dreams and his inventions and making them work. Well, as fate would have it, he ends up traveling to the future and he meets a family that is so quirky and just unusual 
Everybody uh, has so many different characteristics. The, the mom, you know, is, is training frogs how to sing, and the grandfather is walking around with a face painted on the back of his head and his pants on backwards, and the young boy that brought him to the future is, you know, kind of playing a trick on him because he's kind of messed up, and he needs um, this kid, Lewis, to help him fix this problem that he's messed up. And so Lewis is meeting this family, and they're all kind of liking Lewis, and he's kind of liking them. And he finds out, you know, that, that you know, they're at this din dinner table, and he's meeting all the family, and it comes down to uh, one of the family members is, is panicking over not having their peanut butter and jelly sandwich. And there's this invention that Lewis had made, and it happens to be at this household. And it's clogged up. Have you ever wanted to have an equal amount of peanut butter and an equal amount of jelly on your peanut butter and jelly sandwich? Well, Lewis developed a little gun that shoots it out. Well, it sometimes clogs up. And well, at the dinner table, they were trying to get it to work, and Lewis fixed it. He thought he fixed it. Well, then it blows up. And he's apologizing, just like all his other inventions. This one messed up too. And it is throwing peanut butter and jelly all over the room. And he's in front of this whole family that he was trying to get to know. And he's being embarrassed. And so he thinks that they're going to think less of him. But what happens is they tell him, don't worry about it. Keep moving forward. And he says, why do you guys keep saying that? And they said, the, the mom says, because that's what my husband always says. Keep moving forward. Even when you make a mistake. And so it stuck out to me because... How often do we celebrate our mistakes? How often do we see a mess up as a step forward? How often do we look at a place where we've stumbled and just discard it? Or something that we've tried and we just give up? Do we keep moving forward? Or do we quit? Do we stop? Does it look like the end? Or does it look like the beginning? So, so this movie has always been really touching to me. You know, it's got all these different elements. And so, so I thought, oh, you know, maybe I should give homework. And everybody should go, you know, should, should see this movie. Maybe we should all watch it together. Well, we can't do that. We ain't got time for that. But if you want to see a good, good cartoon, you like cartoons, you know, grab a little kid, you know, or, you know, some friends who won't judge you, and <laughs> you sit down and watch it. You can get it on, um, on YouTube for $2.99, or just go on YouTube, and you can watch it. Um, it's, a, it's a great story. But I think this idea of keeping move, keep moving forward 
is a kingdom of God point of view. And that's what I want to talk to you guys about today. How what we think about failure in our eyes can be success in the kingdom. Where we see limitations, there may be no limitations in the kingdom. Let's pray. Lord God, I just ask your presence to come. Lord, that you would be in the words today. Lord, that your spirit would be here. That, that you would speak, Lord, that your, your presence would, would be known here today. Lord, we thank you for your faithfulness and your unfailing love, just as we sing today, Lord, and that your kingdom has come, is coming, and will be coming. Amen. So we have this joke around here. Bill, I believe, is the one who started it. And uh, if you've been around here long enough, you've probably been on the receiving end of it. And the, kind of the way the joke goes is if you've messed up, if you've done something, you know, even the slightest bit wrong, and you may not have done anything, Bill may have done it. You know, probably 98% of the time, Bill did it, and he'll blame it on you. And then he'll, he'll say something like, well, you messed up, so now we're promoting you. So, so failure here equals promotion, okay? So, so it doesn't matter. You're not, you know, you're not aiming for perfection here. You can just, you know... Hit, this, hit the sound thing, and next thing you know, the next week, you're up here preaching. So, you know, since I'm up here, you know I've probably done a lot of things wrong, right? <laughs> I've failed at a lot of things. We're just not going to talk about those today. So, but, so, so that's the joke around here that, that Bill does. Um, and even if, you know, you say, Bill, I'm sorry, you know, I didn't get this done, or I, you know, I messed up on this, or whatever... He's like, well, you're getting promoted. You know, that's just kind of how it goes, you know. So there's, there's no such thing as true failure. You're, you're not going to get disqualified around here. You're going to get promoted. So, so you're not going to weasel out of it around there. Kind of makes you not want to mess up, right? Because <laughs> if you've got a fear of public speaking, um, you know, you're going to want to avoid Bill probably at all costs. But um, it made me start to think about, you know, some stories that I've kind of heard before. And, you know, I thought maybe I would share it with you because they, they, they make a really good, good point. And there was a, this was back before, some of you guys were even born. Um, back in uh, 1956 to 1971, Tom Watson Jr. was the CEO of IBM, and they were on the cutting edge of the digital age with computers and um, data. Now, in IBM, there was a young executive, and he had made some really bad decisions for the company. 
And so it ended up costing the company a couple million dollars. So um, this young executive was called to Tom Watson's office. And I don't know about you, but if I was that young executive, I know what I would probably be expecting. Walking into that office, I'd probably have my office packed, <laughs> ready to go to be escorted out of the building. So he says when he gets there, I would figure that I'm here for you to fire me. And Watson is said to have replied, not at all, young man. We've just spent a couple million dollars educating you. <laughs> what a different perspective. You know, you didn't cost us, we just invested in you. Different thinking, a different paradigm, a different perspective. Thomas Edison was also famous for saying, I have not failed. I've just found 10,000 ways that won't work. Do you think like that? Or do you kick the bricks or the tires when you mess up, when you fail, when things don't go the way that they were supposed to? the way you envisioned it, the way you planned it, the way you saw it and pictured it in your mind. You see, the good news, like, is that in the kingdom, we have the freedom to try and try again. It's not about performance or perfection. It's about relationship. We don't lose the relationship because it's not based on what we do or who we are. But it's based on that connection. So we can't lose that. So what is the kingdom of God? Just so that we're all on the same page in understanding what the kingdom of God is. And just so you know, this will not be an exhaustive study of the kingdom of God because I can't do it alone. Um, and it would take hours. So I'm going to leave that to the professionals. So I'm just going to kind of give you like a, an, an iceberg, tip of the iceberg kind of idea here. The, what the kingdom is not. It's not a realm or a geographic location. So it's not a place that you go to. It's not... Um, situated somewhere and you got to travel to it. It's not something that's going to come down onto us or that sort of thing. What it is, the exercising of the kingly rule and reign of God. Now, we usually just say the kingdom of God is the rule and reign of God. And I came up here the other day and I was like, you know, we got, we got these books on the back wall. And I was like, ah, I, need a, I need a reference. So I went back there and I grabbed this book off the back wall. It's the one with the little girl running through the beach. Have you ever picked up any of these books? 
They're for you guys. All right. It says, what is the kingdom? All right. So as I'm, you know, I'm reading through it, I'm like, yes, yes, I've read all this. Oh, man, I know probably 90% of these authors and teachers, and I've read some of their books, and I've seen them speak. And so I'm going through it, and I see this word, exercising. It's an action word. I don't like exercising. Y'all can tell that. But, um, but it makes so much sense in the sense of the kingdom of God is something to be in motion. It is active. The exercising of the kingly rule and reign of God. So... It demonstrates how the first shall be last. If you've heard that, you know, if you've, if you've been in church, the first shall be last and the last shall be first. These things that sound kind of kooky to us, you know, that maybe they don't make sense to you. Come as a child, the meek, will, the meek not the strong, will inherit the kingdom. So, Maybe you guys remember about two years ago, there was an inauguration of a president. And it was the switching or the transition of power. And made some people happy, made some people very unhappy. Jesus was the inauguration of the kingdom of God. And it made some people really happy. (laughs) And it made others not so happy. So, it's much like that. Jesus inaugurated the kingdom of God into the present age. It came from the future, from the time at the end of this era, and it broke in to this time. The kingdom of God is what Jesus talked about the most. The rule, the kingly rule and reign of God. And so what Jesus was saying is, is I've come to destroy the evil works of the devil in 1 John 3, 8. And how is he going to do it? Through speaking or announcing the kingdom? And through works by demonstrating the kingdom. And so how he did that was that he would, he would say... The time has come. The kingdom of God is near. Repent and believe the good news. So that he would be announcing the kingdom. And then by demonstrating it, he would pray for the sick. He would heal the sick. He'd raise the dead. And then he wasn't just going around doing that just himself. The whole plan was that he was going to multiply that. 
through making disciples. And so, so he empowered and commissioned his disciples to do that as well. So they could, would keep it moving forward. If there was any group of people that Jesus could have given up on for being failures and mess-ups and wanting to, to, to be at his right side, wanting to be the one to sit by him in heaven, uh, to rule and reign next to him in the government that Jesus was going to establish in the, the mindset and what they pictured and what they thought it was going to look like, Jesus could have given up on this group of people. Even one of them betrayed him. But Jesus didn't give up on them. He chose them. He picked them. He was patient with them. Because he didn't just see what was before him in that moment. He saw the bigger picture. He saw the vision. So he wasn't just short-sighted. He saw the vision. He saw the long road. He saw the, yeah, he saw the longer view. So in the making of the disciples, it leads to the kingdom people. That's us. That would be that would be who we are. We have been commissioned and empowered by the Spirit of God to do the works of the kingdom. So, I announce to you, the time has come. The kingdom of God is near. Repent and believe good news. It's Mark 1, 15. I'm going to ask um, Christina to come up as a citizen in the kingdom of God. She is, is going to tell of some activity that has been happening as she's encountered um, interacting in, uh, in her, out in her life. So... Tell us. <laughs> she needs some sound. Closer. There. there you go. Um, just when I was, I was, um, I went to Carter's, and um, I was just discovering a few items there. And um, I went to the milk section, and there was this old man just like taking the whole entire aisle there. You know, they had some stuff that he was like looking at, and I just patiently waited while there was kind of like bumping him and just being kind of rude. And um, didn't have that much, you know, going on, so I just waited. Um, when he looked up, he's like, "Oh, hey!" I'm like, "Hey!" So I just didn't want to bump you. I just wanted to wait. Patiently, and you know, and he goes, Well, that's really kind of you. And he asked for my name, and I told him, and he introduced himself as Maurice. So, how are you doing, Maurice? And he goes, You know what? I like praying for people. Can I pray for you? I was like, Sure. 
Uh, he goes, he asked me, hey, do you like praying for people? I said, yeah, I like praying for people. He's like, well, can you please pray for my wife named Winnie? Uh, they're thinking that she has some problems um, with her heart, you know, dealing with a stroke. I'm like, yeah, can I pray for you now? He's like, sure. So I went ahead in the middle of Kroger's, the milk aisle, you know, I started praying for him and his wife. And I thank God for bringing my new friend Maurice, you know, and uh, I just kept on, I kept on speaking to him what he wanted me to say, not what I wanted to tell him myself. And at the end of the prayer, he's like, you know what, that was a really good prayer. That was very spontaneous. I needed to learn that. And I was like, well, that was not really for me. What I wanted to tell you, you know, was probably something different, but that's what he wanted me to tell you. So long story short, you know, he gave me a big old hug. Uh, he told me, he asked me for my name, my husband's name, if I had any children. I told him, yes, I had three. And um, it was just so moving. And he just greatly appreciated it. He didn't pray for me, but I didn't need it um, at the time. But he, God needed me to be there, and I was there. And he used me for this guy. And just knowing that, it brightened my day. Because as soon as I, you know, I got away from him, I called Danny. And I'm like, I have a God story. <laughs> and, um, and people who know me, I'm not, I wouldn't do that. I mean, I'd pray for people. But I wouldn't, not in the middle of Kroger's, and, you know, while people looking at me and, you know. But, um, and then this past week, like, I took mom shopping, and, you know, just, people just stopped us and was kind to us. I, they needed help looking for something, and just that act of kindness, you know, showing God's love. And I told him, you have a blessed day, you know. And one of them even laughed at me, and I'm like, okay. But the problem, you know, the main issue is, like, I was listening to the worship music, and, you know, when Jeff was singing, you know, talking about, you know, my soul wants of his bride, and it, God was showing me, like, you need to come up here, and it takes a lot for me to get up here, <laughs> here right now. But kind of like Bill, you know, he always tells us, you have something, you have to say it. So I could not leave without telling y'all, you know, you know, he, he puts us there for, you know, for a specific reason. And um, that's my story. All right. <laughs> she was commissioned and empowered by the Spirit of God to do the works of the kingdom. The milk aisle. God can use you in the milk aisle if you're available. Got to be available. So Jesus speaks of the kingdom as, as having come is coming, that it's almost here, that it's about to arrive any minute. Now, if that makes you feel excited, if it sounds interesting, maybe even mysterious, and if we have to admit it, frustrating. You know, it's just the truth. It's mysterious, it's frustrating, especially when you pray for somebody and they don't get well. 
Here's how we see it and how we respond in the vineyard. This is out of the book. It's available to you, and I have more copies in the office. And for those on Facebook, there uh, you could get these books through Vineyard Resources um, online. They're available. Uh, you can go to vineyardusa.org and uh, check, out, check out that through uh, the resources there. It says, it, ex- it explains... Hold on, back up, Kim. That we, okay, first of all, let me tell you, we're a people of the now and the not yet. That it's already and it's not yet. So when we say that the kingdom has come, it's breaking through. It's, some of it's here. It's not here fully. Okay? So it's already but not yet. So how, this is how we explain it. It explains Hebrews, where we read of those heroes of the faith who conquered kingdoms, shut the mouths of lions, quenched the fire of the flames, escaped the edge of the sword. And yet, in the very same verse, which is Hebrews 11.35, others were tortured, others faced jeers and flogging, Others were chained and put in prison or put to death. But we still keep moving forward. That was written by, except the keep moving forward part, John and Eleanor Mumford wrote that. I want to give them credit um, in the booklet. It's um, in our modern day. There, they. I would consider them heroes of the faith. She shares a story in there about um, being prayed for and healed, and having to go back to the Word of God to have it explained, like to reread it, because it doesn't line up early on in, in her years of, you know, that miracles still happen, that God heals today. And so um, then that began a journey for her. And so read that, read that story in that booklet. One of my... Uh, fi- One of my favorite teachers, probably because he's a really, he was a really cool hip dude from California, wore the Hawaiian shirts like like they all do in the vineyard, Um, talked really fast like Californians sometimes do. His name uh, is Bill Jackson. Uh, He was a teacher and an author, pastor. And I just was blown away by, by one of his teaching called uh, Nothing's Gonna Stop It. I think I've seen the videos, they're probably 14 hours long. And 
you, I, I picked up something in them every time I saw it. It's, the whole idea of, of this teaching is it's an overarching story of, of what the Bible is all about. And he went through and took every main event and put it on this, this arching timeline of, of, of what the Bible is and, and created a storyline about how God was going to establish his kingdom through Jesus by the power of the Holy Spirit, and he was going to use all people to, to do it. And so, um, there's that word again. You might get a prize if you count how many times I've said it through the video. But uh, there it is again. So he is, uh, he is one of my favorite teachers, and he says this about God's people. While God's people must learn that suffering will be with us until the return of Christ, the kingdom of God advances through pain as well as power. Kingdom warriors remain undaunted by defeat. Because in Christ, God rules as king. He is most glorified when the church of Christ advances the kingdom in the midst of sorrow. He passed away a couple years ago. He wasn't a very old man. He did have gray hair, but it was probably because he was blonde. That's my guess. Um, but what stands out to me is that they were undaunted. We are to be undaunted that we keep moving forward no matter what we face. No matter what we face in our personal life, no matter what we face in the life as a church body, no matter what we face, that we would remain undaunted by defeat because, uh, because in Christ, God rules as king. He's most glorified when the church of Christ advances the kingdom in the midst of sorrow. These are, these are the words that, that, I, that I bring to you today that wherever you may be, whatever you're struggling with, anything that may be holding you back from moving forward, whether it's sorrow, pain, depression. God has called us to be a kingdom people that keep moving forward.
to continue to engage in kingdom activities, no matter what. Undaunted. So it's going to take a different kind of thinking to be that kind of people. I remember in 2007, we had planned a trip. I think it was one of our first really big trips to... um, to a national conference, a national vineyard conference. And during the last, one of the last talks, we were listening to our national director give a talk. And we, Jeff and I, uh, my husband had been in the church for many, you know, several years. And we were, you know, we'd always have these discussions and it would be like, okay, well, you know, what kind of church are we? You know, I guess we're a, casual church or we're a church about being culturally relevant we want to reach our community or we'd hear other people describe the vineyard as you know well they're just non-denominational they're not aligned with this group of people oh they wear blue jeans or they can wear shorts there so that's what kind of church they are. It's about how you can dress there, or, you know, it's casual, or, or they're a worship church. It's, you know, it's, it's how they sing their songs. They don't do hymns, and they, or if they do, they're with electric guitar, or their music is so loud there, you can't hear the words. So that's the kind of church they are. It must be for young people, Sort of. So we're sitting in this large auditorium in Anaheim, which is, you know, kind of where, where the vineyard began long, long time ago. And the speaker is talking, and he's nearing the end of his talk, and, and he begins to, to say what the vineyard movement is all about. And I kind of sit up and I'm starting to, this piques my interest because we've been trying to answer this question for a long time. And, you know, well, well, what are we? Are we a worship movement? Are we a blue jean movement? What are we? I need to write this down because this is going to be, this is going to make a difference. So I'm sitting there on the edge of my seat, and he says, we're not a worship movement. That was big because of where the founder had his roots and where the movement had its roots. We're not a a worship movement. We're not a casually dressing movement. Has nothing to do with your clothes, whether you wear blue jeans, shorts, flip-flops, or Hawaiian shirts. I know. We are not a prayer movement. We are not a joy movement. 
We are a kingdom of God movement. And he says to a group, an auditorium full of leaders and pastors, he says, if you do not know what the kingdom of God is, you need to find out. That shaped me from then on. And I'm here to tell you, you may not be or consider yourself a leader or a pastor, but if you do not know what the kingdom of God is, grab every book and resource that you can and find out because it will make a difference. It makes a difference. Derek Morphew, Breakthrough, is a book. You want to know who to read, who to watch? Ask me. It'll change how you pray. It'll change how you see the grocery store. It'll change how you see church. It'll change how you see what people wear and whether it's important or not. It'll change whether you just go from one church to the next. If you don't know about the kingdom of God, and even if you think you know about the kingdom of God, reread it. Be encouraged. We are a kingdom of God people. What looks like the end is the beginning. Hallelujah. This is my word to you, and I believe this is from God. Would you stand?